The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. We have seen victory, but we know that the greater the victory, the darker, the more evil the battle was that was faced. You know what? We're not, we're not backing down. We're not shying away, but we're going to continue to discuss the tough topics. We're going to continue to discuss things that we have already discussed. We've already talked about the crisis in our foster care system. We've already talked about racial reconciliation. And in a future message, we're going to hear about the battles of addictions. But the battle, the battle that we're going to talk about today, it's darker and it's evil and it's the realest is going to get for us. And I recognize that you, that what might be shared in a, in a story, in a special, that it might be a trigger for some. And we want you to be prepared that for tonight's message, that some of you may have a trigger that is going to be a little more intense. But this is what we also know. We also know that no matter the level of evil or the level of the battle, we are going to see a victory. My name is Penny K. Hoflinger. I know Jesus Christ like nobody. I mean, I just know Jesus Christ, but I also know the trauma of the abuse. When I was six years old in Thermopolis, Wyoming, um, I was coming home from school and a 14-year-old boy raped me on the school ground. And from that point on, I lost my self-esteem. I didn't think I was good enough. By the time I was 10, I was uh, being molested and and used in any way there was. And when I was 16, I ended up marrying. He was very abusive. I ended up having three children by him. He also sold me so he could drink. All that did was impact more on me to the point that I wasn't good enough and nobody would ever listen to me. As the years went, my, my three children were four, three, and one and I had a babysitter and she took him down there and said that I had abandoned them. The director and his associate was into black marketing children. So my children were sold into a farm in Kansas. They was used um, for sex and labor. And once that happened, um, I really just said, forget the world. And I put a needle in my arm and and started shooting heroin. I didn't care anymore. And I had many people um, that was selling me, beating me. There was just a lot of abuse. And, And before you know it, you have nothing. You are just a shell. I was always looking for someone to just care about me, care about me as a person. When you hear Penny Kay's story, you can't help but just ask the question, how does this even happen? Or you can go to the other extreme and just become completely naive and be blinded by it. Maybe you've asked a similar question like I have. Is human trafficking really a a problem here? 
Is, is human trafficking really a crisis in my city? Is, is this really a crisis in my country? Because there, there's no way, maybe in a third world country where resources are not as readily available, I can see it then. I mean, there's, there's people in my own country, the Philippines, that are going here to the United States because this is the land of opportunities. But the sad reality is that this is also the land of one of the greatest oppressions where 199,000 incidents take place in the United States every single year when it comes to human trafficking. And every single year, we as a church, we wrestle with, how in the world can you possibly respond? How do you respond to this, this seemingly invisible evil where all you see about it is on the headlines, hashtag save our children. We wanna save our children, it's just we, we don't know where, where to start. Where in the world can you possibly have 200,000 incidents happening right before your eyes and it seems like we can just be blind to it and we can't see it at all? You know, we, we can look at movies that we see like Taken and compare it to human trafficking where it's the story of a young pretty girl who wants to see the world and so she sets sail to go to a distant land only to be lured by evil men and to be sold off into the sex trafficking industry. Or you hear about the baby boy that gets abducted and kidnapped as a child and forced to live as someone they don't even know and forced to live in a life of evil that they had no choice in being and what, what, what could you possibly do? Although those things do happen, but very rarely, it's a more complex and a much bigger problem, and it's happening here locally. Did you know that Maryland is one of the top 20 states in our country with the highest rate for human trafficking? Currently, this year alone, Pennsylvania has already reported 270 cases, over 270 cases of human trafficking right now. This is probably one of the worst human rights crises that we are experiencing in our very own country. It's to believe right now that close to 25 million people globally is trapped, trafficked, enslaved. 25 million people. Let that number sink in because that's the number of an entire nation of people stuck and being trafficked. This is worse than the transatlantic slave trade. And today, to this day, this moment, as you're watching this video, you're, you're with us online and in person, right now people are being sold off, men and women, boys and girls, sold off as some commodity for forced labor, for domestic work, for sexual acts and exploits, people being forced to perform acts on film for the porn industry, people that are being forced to be used and abused, and these traffickers are literally preying on the most vulnerable. And, and back then we used to think, oh, they're, they're, they're only in the, the dark alleys and they're in the streets. No, they're online now. Matter of fact, reports are stating that they are using the, the, the social media platforms as a, as a form of recruiting, advertising, showing where there's good targets for human trafficking. And this pandemic, this pandemic has made matters absolutely worse because these traffickers are now exploiting people without jobs. They're exploiting people and their activity online, adults and kids included. And so when you had an entire world that was shut down, you had an entire sex trafficking ring making a killing. 
Now they're able to hide their evil right before our very eyes. And schools were shut down all of a sudden. Hospitals were turning people away because they didn't have certain kinds of symptoms. And schools and hospitals were one of the top places where you can identify people being trafficked. And now all of a sudden, I, I don't know if they're being trafficked or not. This is a multi-billion dollar empire for these traffickers. $150 billion grossing every single year. And it's said that 50,000 people get trafficked right here in our very own backyard, our own country. 50,000 people every year in the United States. During this pandemic, if you were to put it into context, the last 18, 19 months, can you imagine? Close to 100,000 people were trafficked into our country. Close to 100,000 people with 71% of them being women and girls. And a large majority of those who are child sex trafficking survivors, they came from our foster care system. And I was reading up on this and it broke my heart, y'all. They said that the average age for someone to go in, a teenager to go into the sex trafficking industry in our country is 12 to 14 years old. My son is about to turn 12 next month. He's in middle school. These are just kids, guys. These are our kids, and we've got to do something right now. Right now in our county, Washington County and Franklin County, it serves as a hotbed for human trafficking. I don't know if you know, because the I-81, I-70 corridor, it makes it easy for traffickers to escape law enforcement because of the proximity between state lines. You know, there, there was a quote said that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for a good man to do nothing. Lifehouse, we have to do something. Look, I believe in the core of my being that there are some good men in this church, so we must do something. I believe that in the core of my being that there are some good women in this church, and we have to do something. That Lifehouse is a good church, and we will do something. There is a solution to the problem at hand, but maybe you're like me. You wonder, where do I start? Where do I even begin? Jay, I want to begin by taking us back. A few thousand years ago, I want to talk about a, a, a man by the name of Moses. He found himself in a predicament where an entire nation was stuck in slavery. You see, Moses, his name meant to draw out. When he was a child, he was drawn out from the waters of the Nile River, and later as an adult, he drew out an entire people out of captivity, out of slavery, out of the hands of of Pharaoh. He He was a prince of Egypt that left it all to become a deliverer of an entire nation. And in the Bible, there's a book, a letter written to the Hebrew people, and the author of the book of Hebrews, he, he says this about Moses, that he was a person that lived by faith. Because Moses lived in a time of slavery. He lived in a time where there was a, a national infanticide. And so he accredited Moses and his parents as people that lived their love out loud through this faith in God. In Hebrews chapter 11, this is where I want to pick us up in our story. It says, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward." 
By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He, preserved, he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. And by faith, he kept the Passover, the application of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Pharaoh was the king in that time, and he set out an edict. I want to annihilate. I want to kill every Hebrew boy by getting them thrown into the Nile River. However, out of no fear of Pharaoh, Moses' parents looks at Moses and realize he is no ordinary child. The fingerprint of God is on this boy's life. He is precious. He is priceless. And so they preserved his life and they spared him from this certain death. And so Moses' mother hides Moses for three months, caring for him, and then puts him in this boat-like bassinet and allows him to float up the stiller waters of the Nile River. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses, rescues Moses, and then raises him up as one of her own. He becomes a prince and a leader of that nation. And the author of the book of Hebrews kind of shows you exactly how Moses and his parents was able to respond to such a, a great human crisis, such a great human need. Moses was willing to leave the power and the prestige of a palace because he saw a people who were imprisoned. What do we do when you see an entire nation, if you were Moses, stuck in slavery, stuck being mistreated? How do you respond? What do we do when literally there is an entire nation of people, 25 million, and that number keeps growing by the day, is stuck in slavery? How do we respond to such a great human need, such a great human crisis? I believe that their actions is a, is a great start for us today, and it's this, that we have to leverage our power for those who are powerless. That's what we need to take away this weekend, is that we need to leverage our power for those who are powerless. I get it, you, 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 you're, you're with me here. Yes, Jay, I understand, it's a problem. That is a, 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 a stark statistic. I just, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know how to respond. When, when you see such a great problem, it's easy for all of us to look at such a great problem and seem so powerless. Jay, I, I understand it's a problem, but I don't think I have the power to leverage anything. None of us do. As a matter of fact, it is impossible for us to leverage our power because every single one of us were born powerless. You see, every single one of us was born hopeless. There was a nature inside all of us that destines us for destruction and ruin. There, there, there was a, a certain death sentence that was placed on all of our lives, and it's because of what biblical authors call sin. You see, sin is any action, any thought, any intention that goes contrary to who God is, and the sin, it corrupts our heart. It literally traps us in slavery, where we're enslaved by our emotions, we're enslaved by our mindsets, we're enslaved by our own actions, or perhaps we're enslaved by the actions of others and the things that they've done to hurt us. We're enslaved, and I don't want to misappropriate this word, but literally this evil inside of us is trafficking us, using and abusing us, and sending us down a path of forever death and ruin. But God, but God, God, much like Moses' parents saw 
the, the priceless life of his children. He saw that there's purpose in their life. Their, 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 their life is precious and it's worth saving. And so he becomes the bassinet of safety for us to hide in and become rescued in how? Jesus. Jesus was sent into this world to become our rescue, to become our ransom. You see, much like Moses was sent to the people of Israel, sent to Egypt to rescue an entire nation out of slavery, Jesus was sent into this world to rescue the world out of being enslaved by sin, death, and the grave. And so Jesus came to die, ultimately to defeat death. And so all of our shame, our sin, our punishment, our, our abuse, our affliction, our forever death, was heaped upon Jesus' life. The, the price for our punishment was his life. His ransom was for our rescue. He gave his life so that we could have ours back. And so when he died, he defeated death once and for all so that those that would believe in Jesus, just like the, the folks in, in Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, by faith, those that will believe in Jesus, they'd be forgiven. But more than that, the spirit, the living God was in Jesus and with power, he rose from the grave defeating sin, death, and hell so that those that would believe in Jesus by faith would be forgiven, would be set free, and would be granted a new and everlasting life. So how does this happen? God, all of a sudden, with his spirit, he begins to make his home into our spirit, and he fills us with power. He fills us with something we never had. He fills us with healing. He fills us with hope. He fills us with his life. He fills us with his purpose. Now, all of a sudden, the thing that he fills us with, he wants us to leverage power. So how do we, how do we begin to do that? I want to give us some thoughts this weekend. The first is this. To leverage our power, we have to live by faith. To leverage our power, we have to live by faith. And I want to go back to Moses' parents here for a second. It says, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, the only way that they were able to stand up against such a tremendous world power is by what? By faith. They, they, were, they were willing to leverage their power, but the only way they were able to leverage that was by faith. They were willing to leverage their power to give to their son who could not protect himself. They were even, by faith, willing to risk their very own life so that they could perhaps preserve the life of their son Moses. Likewise, that, that edict actually had two threats. See, the, the threats were kill your son or we kill you and then we kill your son. Save your life or risk losing your life and the life of your newborn. But because of their faith, they were able to stand up and say, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to shy away. I'm going to look at horror in the face of death, of, of uncertainty, and say, I'm not going to allow this to control me. Can you imagine for three months they're hiding Moses? I wonder how many family members perhaps knew. I wonder what, what kind of fears were going through their heads. But they weren't they were willing to be controlled by what people's opinions were, what could happen to them, what didn't happen to them, what Pharaoh could do to them. They weren't controlled by any of those things. Likewise, for all of us, we've got to be able to look at the face of human trafficking and this modern-day slavery and be able to speak up and say, it doesn't matter what it may cost me. It doesn't matter what's at stake here. I'm willing to do it. How? By faith. Faith is literally the substance that gives us the ability 
to stand in the face of fear and say, my faith is not in the fear. My faith is not in the pharaohs in front of me. My faith is not in what I'm going to lose. My faith is not in what I'm going to gain. My faith is not what's going to be done against me or to me, taken away from me. It's not in that. My faith is in God. And if your faith is in God, then that means your hope is in his promises. And if your hope is in his promises, it's not in your hardships. And you can stand in the midst of a human crisis because that's what faith does. It stands and responds to a great human need. The need was my, my son needs to live. And so I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And that starts with faith. Faith allows us to leverage what power God gives to us to those who are most vulnerable around us. Lastly, I want to challenge us with this, is that faith leverages what you have to lift others up. Faith leverages what you have to lift others up. I want to, I want to read to us this last passage of scripture. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded this grace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He was looking ahead to his reward. Literally, faith allowed Moses to take what he had to help leverage his power for those who are powerless. He was mistreated so that he could go to those who are mistreated and show them that there is hope. And there is hope. As a matter of fact, I want to share a little bit more of Penny Kay's story. Would you check this out? I ended up being put through the trucking industry um, and they were, I was being sold from truck to truck, you know, and then I was just strung out on heroin and, and all kinds of drugs. One of the times was like in Denver, Colorado, um, I was being trafficked there. Well, this one young man come and he bought me and he says, and I will get you out of here. And I said, you can't do that. You can't get me out of here. And he come back the next night, bought me again, and that, and he had a plan and he got me out of there. And when I was in treatment in Minneapolis, I had to stay for nine weeks in that treatment center and six months in a halfway house and another year in counseling. It took two years to get my head turned around from the drugs and alcohol. But anyway, in that halfway house and stuff is when, when I was taken out of the drugs and the alcohol, okay? But I wasn't taken out of trafficking yet. I ended up in the trucks again. But I ended up with this trucker named Rick, the backslidden Christian, okay? And he used to preach God to me, okay? And I'm like, yeah, right. Um, so we end up in Harrisonburg, Pennsylvania. There is a mobile chapel called Transfer for Christ there. And they asked me if I wanted to get out of what was happening to me. I remember this love so overpowering that there's no words I can even ever explain. And this warmth, this light that was so magnificent. And this is what it said, I have enough preachers, I need a teacher, and I call you. When God called me, 
Yeah. I've watched the doors open. 2011, God spoke to my heart and said, I need you to get out there and start speaking for me on this abuse that is so hidden here in the United States. And my thing about what I do, and I've got tears in my eyes now, but the thing that I do out here is I don't want a little girl or a little boy have to go through the emotional trauma that I had to go through. If you are that person and you feel lonely or vulnerable or you don't think you're good enough, you are loved. Jesus Christ loves you. You are his creation. No matter what, you are still his child. And once you start realizing you're a child of God, you have just as much right to be part of anything and everything. The more that I speak, and the more that I reach out and the more that I share my my workbooks and the more that I share who I am and my book and that stuff, the more seeds get planted. And I know that it's not me. I know that it's God. And, and everything that happens is because it's God. I am a grandmother, besides a mother, I'm a grandmother of 12, and I am a great-grandmother of eight now, okay? And, that, and I kept my promise. God has kept his promise. There is no other way that I would be where I'm at today if it wasn't for God, you know? And because of God, I'm still alive. I'm so grateful for Penny Kay and her bravery and her vulnerability to share with us her, her story, but I hope that you caught that because she said it was, it was faith. It was her faith in God that allowed her to leverage. Come on, there's some leverage here for us this weekend to leverage whatever it is that she had to now help those who are down and out much like her, much like where she found herself as a child to now become lifted up. That's, a, that's exactly what Moses did. In that passage of Hebrews, see 40 years later, Moses is found in the same predicament as his parents. You had two choices, Moses. You either save your life and you enjoy this palace. It's really comfortable here, Moses. Don't ruffle any feathers, Moses. It's really nice up here. Or you can risk losing everything, even your life. And so Moses chose the latter, and he got personally involved, and he started to, to get engaged in his Jewish brothers and sisters. And when, you, when you're like Moses, he got engaged, and then he got enraged, and he saw their slavery. He saw their mistreatment. He says, I got to do something. And he got involved one day, he, he noticed a, a slave master beating one of his slaves, Hebrew slaves. And so Moses steps in, got involved, and he fights the slave master off, and he kills him. Word gets out, all of a sudden, now Moses is on the run because Pharaoh wants to kill him. And so he gets chased off into the wilderness, into the desert. Maybe this weekend you feel like you've been in a desert before, in the wilderness before. You ever felt like, I got here because someone else put me here. Because someone else made me feel this way. Or maybe I got in the desert because I tried doing the right thing and I'm stuck in the desert. It's, it's lonely in the desert. It's hot in the desert. The heat gets turned up in the desert. I'm stuck in the desert and you feel like there's nothing for you in the desert because I'm just here wallowing in the wilderness 
but it was right there in the, in the wilderness where God actually meets Moses. And he begins to give him his destiny. He says, you're gonna be my deliverer and you're gonna go back to Egypt. Why? Because there's destiny in our deserts. You may think that you've been deserted, but God has a destiny for you. For Moses, it was to become a deliverer, to leverage whatever he had gone through, to now lift up an entire nation. So he goes up 40 years later, back to Egypt, face to face with a new Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And he becomes an instrument of God to rescue an entire people out of captivity. And he begins to tell them about God. He begins to tell them how to obey God. That's exactly what Penny Kay is doing now. Because of her faith in God, she now teaches other people more about God and more about the love of Jesus in their life. It's exactly what happens when all of a sudden your, 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 your faith begins to leverage some things in your life. I, I want to let you know that God is giving you something. He's destining you for something. He's already placed it in you. By faith, if God has given you power, he's meant for you to share it. Start looking around, turn on the, the lens of faith because there's some leveraging that's about to take place because if you've got power, there's someone around you that's powerless and needs a little bit of leverage, needs a little bit of lifting. If you've got a voice right now, Perhaps God has given you that voice so that we can begin to start speaking up for the ones that's being silenced right now. So let's turn on the lens of faith because there's about to be some leveraging that's about to take place. If he's given us strength, there's, there's about to be some people that are weak that need some strength. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, there's no way God can use my desert. I can tell you otherwise that God uses deserts to set you in a destiny. That's exactly what God does. And it's to deliver and to lift up an entire people. And so perhaps you're, you're, you're here right now. Well, how do we respond? I, I want to make this extremely practical for all of us. I think one, first and foremost, we can all pray. I think that's something that we as a church, we need to commit to. We need to pray, God, God, would you heal? Would you protect our nation? Would you heal and you protect our city? Secondly, we need to repent. We need to repent personally, but we also need to repent on behalf of our city for the evil and the sins that's been committed. We need to ask that God would, would rescue those who are victimized and those who are being trafficked right now. And those that are doing the trafficking, that they would be caught and they would be convicted. And that God would have an ultimate healing for those that are experiencing abuse and trauma. For you parents right now, I want to speak to you specifically. I want to speak to us. I'm in the same boat as you. I want to let you know that there are evil predators online right now, that they are looking to prey on our children today. We have to educate our kids. We have to educate other parents and resource other parents, foster parents, teachers with all the necessary tools so that they can protect their kids as well on their phones, on their, uh, on their computers. We have to save our children. I want us to be the type of parents that says, not on my watch, not on our watch, not in this church, not in our kids. Look, I get it. Maybe our kids are going to think that we're too overprotective. But let, let's face it, we got to monitor our minors, their activities online all the time. Look, 
As a parent, I'm not going to give privacy time to some rapist or some murderer with my kids, and neither would you. And so, look, if we're going to give them privacy, let's put some boundaries. Let's make sure we create the proper parameters on their phones to protect them. For men, I, I want to speak to us. Do you know that the porn industry is the highest fueling engine for the commercial sex trafficking world? Most of these women on those videos right now are sex slaves forced to act on camera. It's a $35 billion a year industry. $35 billion. That's, that's bigger than the MLB, the NBA, and the NFL all combined. And it's accredited that 95%, 95% of men have, have at least attested to the fact that they've at least viewed pornography once. 95%. And look, I'm not here to shame us. I'm not. I'm here to acknowledge the fact that this is an epidemic, and I want to highlight the fact that this fuels this human crisis disaster. And if 95% of men are involved, they can be also part of the solution. There's millions of our brothers right now that are struggling with this addiction, and so it's time for us to respond and band together as brothers. So if that's you, then get some help. Let's be accountable to one another. Let's put the proper parameters and the proper resources on our phones and our computers. Look, I'm not trying to make this about a moral issue at times. Look, I get it. If you love Jesus, let's keep our hearts pure. Let's keep our eyes pure before the Lord. But literally God has crafted and created for you to be a protector. He created and built you to be a protector. So let's create, let, let's create a space where our kids are safe. Let's protect our women. Let's protect those who are most vulnerable. For all of us, I, I believe locally we can, we can all get in, involved. There, there's going to be a, a freedom walk right here in Hagerstown that we're going to be hosting in October here. I'll give you a little bit more information about that. There's Franklin County. There's uh, She's someone's daughter that we can be involved with. Globally, we can get involved with organizations like 821, with Project Rescue, which we give through Kingdom Builders as well. And so all of that, I say this, and I want to give us resources because I believe that all of us, we can respond. And so for all of the things that I just mentioned, here's, here's how I want us to respond. I want you to text FREEDOM to 81411. It's going to give you all the links, all the resources that you're going to need. This, this text could literally be, be life or death for someone, freedom or enslavement for someone. And so let's take the proper steps of action. Perhaps you're here today and you need to experience that freedom for yourself. Maybe it's freedom of your mind, freedom of your actions, freedom of what's been done to you. True freedom, forever freedom, lasting freedom, first starts with faith in Jesus. And if today you've never made a decision to place your faith in Jesus Christ, would you make that your decision today? Would you say, Jesus, I... I place my faith in you. I make you the Lord of my life. Would you receive his forgiveness and allow his spirit to fill you with freedom, with power for you to leverage to those around you? If that's you today, would you let us know? Text Jesus to 81411. Look, I believe more than just awareness, we need to take action. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that, God, you have crafted and you created and you called us as a church, not just to be aware, but to take action. 
you've, you've, you've positioned us to be part of the solution. Father, to, to see freedom take place in Washington County, to see freedom take place in Frederick County, to see freedom take place in Franklin County. We, we are called to be part of the solution to see freedom for all people. And so, Lord God, if it's our voice, then God allow us to speak up and leverage that voice to, for those who are silent. God, if, if, if it's our power, let, let, us, let, us, let us stand firm and be strong for those who are weak right now. Father, I pray that you, by faith, would allow us to leverage whatever it is that you put in us for the people around us. Father, we thank you and we praise you that it is only through your son, Jesus, that we ourselves are no longer slaves to fear, to sin, to death anymore. We can, we can worship you in freedom. And so God, we pray for freedom for everyone. Freedom from fear, freedom from abuse, freedom from neglect, from mistreatment. Father, I pray for freedom. For those watching online, for those that's, that's here with us on campus, I pray that freedom would fill their hearts right now through faith in you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.